I'm former Congressman Gary Franks. And I'm his son, Gary. I'm millennial. We're discussing everything from politics to sports and pop culture. From very different perspectives. We speak frankly. So, Gary, you said you were saying that you looked at this documentary and then yes. you watched yourself from the beginning. I watched the documentary and I said, you know what? Let me look at another player and I have to get rid of somebody off my list. And I was saying it is definitely not Scottie Pippen. Uh, all the documentary <laughs> showed me that Scottie knows how to buy. All, all the documentaries show me that Scotty knows how to sign really bad contracts. It didn't really show me any, it didn't add anything to the Scotty Pippen experience at all. Um, nothing. So it is definitely not Scotty. But it was Dennis Robin. And I was looking at it and I'm like, I don't know how I can leave off the best defensive player of that time and the best rebounder that we've seen since Wilt and, and Bill Russell. So I'm really sitting here, and I'm like, I don't know who to take off my list. You know, Gary, I think that uh, you have an excellent point. Um, I've also looked at the documentary, and we'll be looking at it for the next few weeks, and, and it's very timely for what we're doing now because uh, I think everyone who's ever picked up a basketball and is still breathing today would have to concede that Michael Jordan is the best player of all time. So I think now we wait, know. Now wait, wait. Oh, we're, we actually, do have we're actually. I'm jumping to one actually, already because I, this. I, this <laughs> I'm going to go to one like, and I'm going to go back to 50. <laughs> I would like to do a podcast on one of us taking the side of LeBron James and the other side of, of Michael Jordan. And then I want to do one of one of us taking the side of, of Kevin Durant and another guy taking the side of LeBron James. Okay, we'll talk about that. That's what I would like to do. Let's, let's talk about that. Well, getting back to your original point, you know, Dennis Rodman, only 6'7", but he played like he was 7'4". Uh, five-time champion, obviously, many of those occasions occurred when he was uh, with the Chicago Bulls, um, two-time All-Star, Defensive Player of the Year twice, seven-time All-Defensive Player, uh, first-team player, uh, seven times he won the rebounding championship. Seven times, in fact, uh, seven times in a row he won the, the rebounding championship. And he also had a, uh, but people don't really remember, he also has an ABA championship. So he actually has six championships uh, titles. Remarkable player, a character in his own right, as we all know. Um, but I, I just can't put him on my top no. 50. Uh, I love put people who score, and he was, um, you know, obviously was not a scorer, but his rebound totals, Gary, were just astronomical. His scoring yeah. average was only seven points a game. Now, keep in mind that in my years, years at Yale, I averaged about eight points a game. So, I, you know, that, that 7.3, okay. Now, his rebounding, however, yeah, let one me, year let, he averaged 18.7, 18.3. I mean, just uh, phenomenal yeah. rebounding numbers. Career was 13.1 overall, but um, and uh, obviously an integral part of all of those championship teams that he played for. Um, 
So if he made he made your list, he's not going to make mine, but uh, because it's very very tough, and I know you're gonna you're going to criticize some of a couple of my people that I have on here. You already have, but um, I will be criticizing well, a couple something. of yours as well. So go ahead. All right. Well, let me add something to this because I think you know you're underestimating Dennis Rodman. The reason why I'm going to put him on my list, and I'm going to take one person off. Um, as we do, uh, you know, the top fifty list, I will obviously name who that person is. But Dennis Rodman in those last three years in Chicago, which was the 95-96 season all the way down to the 97-98 season, in the NBA Finals, he had to guard probably either the best or second best player on those teams. In the 1995-96 Finals, when they were playing the Seattle Supersonics, Gary Payton had a strained calf, so he wasn't fully healthy from all that series. Sean Kemp, the rain man, was really the best player on that team because of the injury to Gary Payton for the first few games. And Dennis had a guard him. Mm. And he took him out of the game. Mm. In 97 and 98, Carl Malone, the mailman, who was on this list, Dennis Rodman shut him down. He contained him. Yeah. The entire time in that series. And you go back all the way to when he was in Detroit, he was a guy that could guard all five positions. And he really, without Dennis Rodman, and this is another reason why I'm putting him on the list, his impact is so humongous. There's no Draymond Green without Dennis. There is no Draymond Green without Dennis Rodman. And to me, with the impact and the fact that he is the best rebounder we have seen in the last, I was what, 30 or 40 years, I'm going to put him on my list. And also, we know the media didn't like him too much either. So we know that's why he also didn't get some recognition that he deserved. So I'm going to put Dennis Rodman on my list, but Dennis Rodman's number 50 on my list. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, and I, I respect that because I, I, I do have a lot of love for, for, for Dennis. He was a, definitely one of a kind, and I don't think we could have taken more. So, um, okay, okay, Gary. So that's what you uh, got out of the – Last Dance documentary so far, and I'm looking forward to seeing the other episodes also. And and um, speaking of 50, guess who is my 50th? The other player from the Chicago Bulls, and that is the infamous Scottie Pippen. He barely made my list, but for a person to be the second fiddle to Michael during all of those years, and to also, it was very evident, very clear, Gary, that without Scottie Pippen during the first half of that last championship year for the Bulls, they were struggling. And it was very, very clear that, uh, you know, they were, I think they were 4-4 four and four and had a hard time winning a game on the road. It was Michael had to score like 50 points in order for them to beat teams that were just absolutely terrible, like the Clippers. Um now, as far as what Scotty did off the court, uh, I cannot embrace many of those antics. I don't think you should make fun of your, your boss or really any other person, quite frankly. And uh, I don't think that he uh, handled the whole injury thing well. Um, but, and obviously, I don't think he signed a great contract deal with seven-year deal. That's something that uh, you just don't – maybe he led the way for, for other players to not do that because <laughs> no one <laughs> – you're not going to do something of that uh, to that extent. But as a player, I, I still have to give him some, some, some love because 
as a seven-time All-Star, six six titles that he won, eight times he was on the All-Defensive team, and very respectable numbers uh, scoring-wise, 16 points a game, one of the lowest on my on my list, by the way, but still 16 points a game, 40 shooting 47 percent from the from the field. Um, so he made the last spot, and it was it was difficult. There was a lot of people knocking on the door. You know, I, I looked at Vince Carter's numbers again, and, and I, you know, I I love love Vince Carter to death. Gary, we had a chance to meet him at that Shaq O'Neal Shaquille O'Neal party years ago. Um, the man had. A, about 12 years in which he averaged 11 or 12 years in which he averaged over 20 points a game. But the problem is he's played about 23 years. So when you <laughs> you look at his overall scoring average, it's, it's deceiving because, you know, obviously he doesn't get the playing time and he hasn't gotten the playing time in the last five years or so that he used to get back in the day when he was averaging in the mid to high twenties. I'd love to put yeah. him on the list. I know you have him on your list, but he's on my you know, almost made it list. Another person who I do you, not have I do not have Vince Carter on. Oh, my list. we talked about him before though. Okay. Um, and and also let me give Scotty Pippen some praise because I feel like I always throw a shout to Scotty. So Scotty Pippen, in my opinion, helped win the nineteen ninety one NBA finals against the Lakers, along with injuries. But in game one, Michael Jordan was trying to guard Magic and Magic was cooking him. He was destroying him. And when they put Scotty Pippen on Magic Johnson and changed the entire series. Scottie Pippen, if you if you think about it, and this is actually, you know, either a great thing or a bad thing, but Scottie Pippen, if you think of the top five players, you know, uh, if you're trying to start a starting lineup, Scottie Pippen would probably have to be your starting small forward of the 90s, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. So, Scottie, Scottie Pippen, was a very good player. I just don't like putting Robbins in my top 50. That's just my personal Well, there's, see, Gary, there's going to be some Robbins. I mean, we're going to have Kevin McHale on, on, on one of our, you know, on our list, on both of our lists. He was not Batman. He was Robin. But And so you're, you're going gonna to have some Robbins. Now, granted, on our top 25, on our top 25, which we'll get to in the weeks, weeks ahead, I don't think there's any Robbins on that one. So, but, but, but there's a difference. There's a difference. <laughs> between Kevin McHale and Scottie Pippen. Kevin McHale, in my opinion, could carry, could be on a team. And, and I have James Worthy on my list, too. And he was definitely a Robin. And I have Joe Dumars on my list. He was a Robin. But I feel like they could have carried their teams a lot longer than Scotty could. Yeah. I felt like once, Scotty had two years where he was great. In 94, I believe he was second um, in the MVP, in the MVP race. 95, but before Michael came back, Scotty was, you know, carrying the Chicago Bulls. But I do hold on Scotty after the Chicago Bulls. When he was with Portland and Houston, he just didn't – he had a chance to show people that he was really a great player, and I, I don't think he did that to mm-hmm. Now, I understand Scotty had issues with Charles Barkley uh, in Houston. And the Portland Trailblazers nickname was the Jailblazers because they got in trouble all the time. <laughs> but that's why he's not on my list. But I want to stop here for a second. Okay.
Following three terms on the city council and three terms in Congress, former Congressman Gary Franks' consulting firm has helped scores of companies, large Fortune 500 firms, small businesses, and even startup companies secure millions of dollars in federal government contracts and international business opportunities. Congressman Franks, a Yale grad, author, Fortune 500 executive, and former visiting professor at Georgetown University, UVA, and Hampton University, will use his knowledge, experience, relationships, and strategic plan model to help you reach that next level of success. Schedule your participation in an upcoming webinar to learn just how Congressman Franks can help you. For more information, email gary at garyfranks.org now. Okay, so, so Dad, my 49th one is going to be Joe Dumars. And the reason why I'm going with Joe is because uh, Joe Dumars, I believe in the 1989 finals, was finals MVP, I believe so. And Joe Dumars, to me, is part of the second greatest backcourt in NBA history with his fellow teammate Isaiah Thomas. And, you know, I think Joe Dumars did a, did a, a very, very good job of guarding Michael Jordan during the Chicago Bulls times in the 80s. So I'm going to give Joe Dumars the nod at, at 49. Okay. Uh, I don't have Joe... Dumars on my list. I know he's a you know two-time NBA champion with Isaiah Thomas. They won 89 and 90. He actually was the NBA Finals MVP in 1989. Um, six-time All-Star, four-time All-Defensive uh, first team. Um, but Joe just doesn't make it for me. I, I, I think that he um, had a good basketball career, but they're far better players than uh, – than Joe Dumars, and I would not um, have him on the list. Not because of his scoring average. He averaged 16.1, which is basically the same as Scotty, but obviously his 16.1 and Scotty's were far different. And uh, he shot well, 46%, 84% from the, from the free throw line. Didn't get many assists, but played great defense. I think in, in, the, in, the, in the category of, uh, of very good, but not an all-time great. My 49th, Gary, and obviously we've talked about all of these before, my 49th is a guy who, as I mentioned before, as I was exiting the New Orleans Jazz basketball camp, he was entering it. He was entering it because it was his first day of practice. I was exiting it because it was my last day of practice and because I was being cut as one of the uh, rookies being cut from the, from the New Orleans Jazz by Elgin Baylor back in 1975. Uh, and that's Pistol Pete Maravich. Um, in college, an unbelievable player, averaging well over 40-some-odd points a game. And we talked about that before. But even in the NBA, big-time score, 24 points a game was his average, shooting 44% from the field, 82% from the foul line. Um, a magician with the ball, with the basketball, and a great passer as well. Mr. Excitement. Uh, tragically died of a sudden heart attack on the basketball court at a very young age. So I have uh, Pistol Pete Maravich as my 49th all-time greatest basketball player from 1960 to the present. I also uh, have Pistol Pete on my list. He's actually my 47th player. And I agree with everything that you mentioned about Pistol Pete. Um, 
so you know we can move on from that one okay i'll give you my 47th i'm sorry my 48th and that is no, i'm sorry it's 47th and that is no 48 48 you're right my 50th was scotty Pittman. oh i skipped one i'm sorry yeah. i'm sorry i skipped one my my oh, okay. my number is a little bit off let me fix this next for me would be the great county county hawkins county hawkins back in the 60s was a very dominant player in the nba and also in the aba in the aba he actually won a championship a title uh when he played in the aba he also was able to um, win an mvp award once again though in the aba so his better years were in the ABA. What can you say? But I was in 67, 68. One has to remember that it was the ABA that actually strengthened the NBA. So uh, a lot of those guys don't get a lot of credit. I'm talking about Connie Hawkins and even to a lesser degree, but still to a degree, Julius Irving as well. Um, John Williamson from Connecticut um, also would fall into that category. Uh, but in his first two years in, as a professional basketball player, Connie Hawkins averaged 27 points a game and 30 points a game. Third year, 25 points a game. And that third year, he did get a chance to play in the NBA with Phoenix. Great career, averaging about 19 points a game, uh, shooting about 48% from the field and 78% from the, from the uh, free throw line. And he has just humongous hands. It was handled the ball like it was a uh, like it was a tennis ball almost. And he, he just was able to, to dunk the ball in so many creative ways. He was the precursor to, uh, to uh, Julius Serving and Michael Jordan. They all learned from Connie Hawkins. And he would be in that 48th spot for me as the 48th greatest basketball player of all time. So I do not have Connie Hawkins on my list. Um, but I do have at my 48th, Kevin McHale. To me, Kevin McHale, as Charles Barkley has said many times, his toughest guy that he had to defend. To me, he had the best post moves of any power forward in the history of the NBA. And I believe as well that Kevin McHale was a big, big, big uh, ingredient to the Boston Celtics winning their three championships. I'm going to put Kevin McHale at 48. And also, he was a really good coach, and he was a good GM for Minnesota. And he also helped out another guy that's on our list. And we'll talk about that, you know, when we get to that player. But I'm going to go for Kevin McHale at 48. Well, we think alike there, Gary. I have um, Kevin McHale on my list, and he is actually 48th for me as well. I'm sorry, he's 47th for me. 47 for me. I agree with, with all the points that, that you were making. Three championships, 81, 84, and 86 with Larry Bird, great defensive players, either first team or second team, all defensive six times, um, which is pretty remarkable. He won that sixth man of the year award twice, and yet he was a great scorer. He, he was able to average about 18 points a game and, and sometimes limited minutes for, for his career. And he shot an amazing 55% from the field and 80% from the foul line. We talked about his arms. I mean, they were just so long, he blocked shots without even jumping. So he was just a uh, amazing player. 
And one year with the Celtics, he averaged actually 26 points a game. Um, and there were several years, one, two, three, four, five, six, about six years in a row, he averaged over 20 points a game as a Celtic. Six years in a row. Um, decent rebounder. And I agree, probably the best post moves of, uh, well, there have been a few who have had great post moves, but he definitely had one of the best post moves in the game. So he was also my uh, high, well, not high, but 47th on my list and 48th on your list. So we were thinking alike on him. Okay, Gary, your 47 is Pistol Pete Maravich. He was our my 49th. So now we're down to 46. 46, he's a guy who played during my era, Gary, and it's um, kind of a tragic story because he could and should have been way up on this list had he had a more uh, lengthy career, and that is David Thompson. But for the short time that he played, it was less than 10 years, he was a phenomenal player. Uh, in one game, he scored 73 points. Um, we call him Skywalker because he literally introduced the, uh, the alley-oop. And back in those days, because of uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, at the time, Lou Sender. No, he had changed to Kareem Abdul. No, he was still Lou Sender. <laughs> he, uh, they outlawed the dunk from college basketball. And so what David Thompson did, he just jumped up in the air, caught the ball, and just threw the ball down. And it was, ugh, it was very something to see. And he, he had a vertical that was unbelievable. He was only 6'4", but he could really, really jump. And a great shooter as well. Four-time NBA All-Star, MVP of the All-Star game in 1979, uh, an ABA player like Connie Hawkins and like Julia Serving, uh, there he was Rookie of the Year for the ABA. He was even uh, MVP of the All-Star Game in NBA. Um, I'm sorry, in the, in, the, in the ABA. In college, they did something that no one thought would happen, and that is his team, North Carolina State, defeated UCLA in 1974, and he was the College Player of the Year. Um, only 46, but he had a great career, averaging over 22 points a game. And as I mentioned earlier, he had some of the more exciting games uh, that one could ever remember in NBA. Not a great performer in the slam dunk because his jump, his dunks were basically because of his vertical. So he was, yeah, he just went straight up in the air, could just keep going up, versus gliding through like Clyde Drexler or gliding through like Connie Hawkins and Julius Irving and Michael Jordan. Um, some years, he averaged in the high 20s, 27 points a game, 25, 26, but it was a short career. I have David Thompson on my list as well. I have him actually a 42. I have a little higher than you do. Um, you know, everything that you've said is obviously 100% accurate. Uh, David Thompson, uh, Thompson also has a 72-point game. Which is very, very seventy-three. Very yeah. rare. Thank you. Three. Thank you. That's the third highest in NBA history, behind obviously Wilt and Kobe. So, absolutely. You know, he's also Michael Jordan's idol, mm -hmm. which also shows his mm -hmm. impact uh, to the NBA. So, I agree with you. So, my forty-six 
I actually had to do a little bit of adding and subtracting here because I added Dennis Rodman to my list, and I actually took off my 46. So you're going to be wondering why, because he's so high. But I took Earl the Pearl off my list, and I added Dennis Rodman. So my 46 is John Havlicek. John Havlicek, obviously, he had the record for the most shots taken in NBA history for Kobe Bryant to pass that, which is not a good stat. But John Havlicek was a major, major component to the Boston Celtics teams in the 60s and 70s. And really, he really you know, created the six-man position. Probably him and Manu Ginobili were probably the only two players that really should have been starters. And actually were starters at one point, but, be, you know, but ended up being more of a six-man, and they definitely helped their teams out. But John Havlicek is on my list. And Gary, I have John Havlicek on my list as well, but I have him much higher. Um, I'm showing a little more love for the years of the decade of the 60s, and I will talk about um, where I have him a little later on. Um, we also called yeah, it, it was all black and, and white, white TV. You're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely yeah. right. And what, yes. getting back to what, it, yes. getting back to your earlier DC point, basketball. you can't score unless you take the shot. So I, I'm not against people who take a lot of shots because that's the only way you're going to score. But you know, I hear what you say. He did have that dubious distinction of having taken more shots than anyone else until. Until someone else surpassed him. So now he's number two in that from that perspective. Speaking of a guy who took a lot of shots, let's go with uh, Rick Barry in my 45th spot. Uh, Rick Barry um, did take a whole lot of shots in his career. Uh, when he played at the University of Miami, he led the nation in scoring. And when he was in the NBA, he led the Golden State Warriors to a title back in 1975. Overall career scoring average, 23.2 per game, shooting about 45% from the field, an amazing 90% from the free throw line, all of his shots underhanded. Um, another interesting tidbit about Rick Barry is that he had, I think, two, maybe three sons that actually followed him in the NBA, which I don't believe anyone else can, can say. Um, not that that is germane to him being on this list, but uh, Rick Barry... During the early 70s, was a very dominant p- player and a very aggressive player and very intense. And he would be my 45th ranked best basketball player of all time. Now, I have Rick Barry on my list, but I have him a little bit higher than you do. Um, so I'll get to you know I'll get to Rick Barry a little bit later on in the show, but my 45. Uh, a best player is is James Worthy. Now, James Worthy obviously was a better college player than he was an NBA player, but I believe if James Worthy was on his own team, he could have carried the team to, you know, many playoff appearances. The fastest, the quickest first step that we, you know, of that time period, great 15, great game, sorry, within 15 feet, and he was just a phenomenal player. And he carried the Lakers a lot uh, during the postseason. That's when he played his best basketball. So I'm going to put James Worthy at 45. Now, James Worthy, seven-time All-Star, Gary. Um, great college player as well. Great college player in North Carolina. Uh, he started out as being the go-to guy in North Carolina, but um, <laughs> he had some great, some interesting and fantastic players around him, one being Sam Perkins, who was a very – Interesting player because he did very well in the NBA as well. And then, of course, 
that freshman by the name of Michael J Jordan. So he was kind of used to playing a secondary role, especially once Michael arrived uh, in North Carolina. And he, he did it well. I mean, he, he knew his role. I think he's the epitome of a role player. Uh, he did exactly what was expected of, of a person playing that position. However, I do not have him in my top 50. Um, overall scoring average was about 17.6 points a game, shooting 52%, 77% from the free throw line. But I just didn't see him as being uh, the player that the team would truly rely on for for multiple purposes. Um, like Bob McAdoo was a player that you could rely on, but that's just for scoring. He did not really contribute that much to the game other than scoring, but he was a prolific scorer. James Worthy played his role well, but not enough to, uh, to be deemed as a dominant player from, from my uh, viewpoint, Gary. And, uh, that's an argument between James Worthy <laughs> and Scottie Pippen. That would be a that would, that would be a good argument well, between James Worthy yeah, and Scottie Pippen. I hear what you're saying, but I think that when you look at uh, Scotty, he was clearly the number two guy for, for Michael Jordan. And it was very clear, as going back to that last dance uh, uh, documentary, that without Scotty in that last season, they were a mediocre team for, for quite some time. While on the Lakers, you, you, had, you, know, you had Magic. You had a guy by the name of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and then you had James Worthy. And to me, you know, it was in that order. So he, to me, he was not even the first guy you went to. Uh, you, you, he was the second guy you went to if you were Magic. You tried to get the ball into Kareem if you could. Uh, that, was, that was automatic. And he, you know, he had good years, averaging 19 points. His best year was, was 21 points a game. So I, I can't, you know... And he didn't have any assists. He, You're missing something. You're missing something that's very, very important. And that's is that the fact that the Lakers dynasty did not end when Kareem retired. They got to the finals in 1991 against the Chicago Bulls, and James Worthy was, in, in most cases, he was. the best scorer on he that was. team. And he, he was. carried that team to the NBA Finals. So James, so James Worthy. Did have more years he was than just good. Being very good point. Third in 1991, he did average 21.4 points a game, shooting about 50% from the field, goal, from the field, 80% from the free throw line, and he was their dominant player. Uh, he did that for that that year. He and before the year before that, he averaged 21.1. The year after that, about 19.9. It's just that I put him in the category of just very, very good. So we're out of time for today. We'll see you guys next time. Don't forget to subscribe.